Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful week. Mine was a little taxing. (laughs) Uh, About a week or so ago, DC got hit with a pretty bad thunderstorm that had torrential rain and high winds. And I sustained a couple of leaks as a result. And it has just been a lot to handle. And the drama going on with my condo association rivals, housewives. (laughs) It's just like... Absolutely crazy. And my guest, Christina, had a pretty crazy week as well and had a sick kid. And so we just did a shorter interview. So I'm going to share some more of my thoughts in the beginning of this episode that we weren't able to get to. But Rest assured, we chat about absolutely everything, including all the latest Bravo gossip, what happened to Rachel and James's dog, Graham, stuff with Garcelle and Diana and the supposed bots, BravoCon tickets. Oh, my God, that's another (laughs) thing that made the week taxing. Oh, gosh. So I tried to get VIP tickets both on the pre-sale day and on the following day, the Friday, um, with a friend of mine, and we just had no luck. So I got a general admission ticket, and I'm hoping that this wait list that they put together actually pans out, because I think I was one of the first on it. As soon as it said, join the wait list, I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) So, um, you know, gonna hold out hope that I get a VIP ticket, because I've saved up a lot of money to do this. There's been three Bravo cons, and I wasn't able to go to any of them. The first year, it sold out so quickly. And the last couple of years, I have had weddings. And so I'm just, you know, I'm ready. I've set aside money for this. And I am so excited to meet many of you that I know will be going. So... Wish me luck. (laughs) And all of you, may the odds be ever in your favor getting these tickets. My goodness. Okay, thoughts on a couple of things that have been in Bravo headlines. So Sheena has been getting a lot of backlash for posting a picture with a fan and Tom Sandoval. Now, This is where I would like to think that as fans, we should be able to see a picture and maybe have thoughts in our head, maybe that aren't so positive, and keep them to ourselves. But apparently, we're not able to do that. And the amount of hate Sheena has been receiving, it's clearly impacting her. Her mom came out, made a statement. Brock made a statement. And then Ariana had to come out and be like, guys, chill. Like, Sheena's a really good friend to me. We always pose for fan pics. And I'm just, I don't know, guys, we need to calm down. (laughs) Fans, we just need to chill the F out. And I was listening to Sheena's more recent podcast that she did with Dana, who was one of the cast members on season eight. And the episode was primarily about mental health. And both her and Dana have been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And something that I was not familiar with, um, with obsessive compulsive disorder is intrusive thoughts. And It seems like this is something that Sheena has been dealing with for a very long time. And it was, you know, she was having some problems in her life and she was refusing to go on medication and she was trying to deal with it herself. And when the Scandaval happened, it was so much stress for the entire cast and especially her with the lawsuit and the legal stuff that it set her mental health that was already kind of teetering kind of fully off 
off kilt and she was um, really, really doing poorly. And she opens up a lot about it. And I think a lot of the cast members have been pretty forthcoming. Ariana, you know, being probably the most forthcoming about mental health struggles. And I just I hope that we as fans are able to listen to that and remember that these are human beings and that none of these actions are that egregious. And even if they were like, I don't know. Maybe we should direct our anger elsewhere. I mean, the planet is like burning up. People are just acting totally crazy and trying to ban pride flags. And, you know, just, I don't know, direct direct your energy towards where it could be useful. That's all I'm saying. I just, I feel bad for Sheena with this. Another thing in the news this week um, is that the Screen Actors Guild Union is going to strike and Bethany Frankel is taking a page from them and she wants to start a reality TV union for the reality TV talent. She thinks that they, you know, don't make a lot of money, especially in the beginning. They don't get any money from residuals and that they're just, you know, in general treated pretty poorly by the networks. And I I agree. I think they are. Uh, but part of me is like, oh, no, don't actually go on strike. I can't, I can't handle. <laughs> we need our we need our shows. But I do believe that more needs to be done to compensate cast members, especially these young casts. Like I'm thinking of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. You know, they're probably struggling financially when you hear about the like early seasons of Vanderpump Rules. Katie Maloney has said that she wasn't even able to afford putting a hotel on a credit card until like after season five. And that's that's absolutely wild. A lot of them didn't have health insurance because they were working at Sur and you know, being on a TV show doesn't come along with health insurance. It's just been it's rough for them. And I feel like if there's any good Bethany can do, it would be this. I am kind of over her makeup, like either tutorials or all the reviews that she's been doing on like CVS makeup. I don't know. And she also loves to dig up stuff from the past and she loves attention just like all of the other housewives. And this week on her podcast, she had Jill Zarin. Now she could have chosen any week in the last however many years she's been doing the podcast to have Jill on. But she chose the week after the new Roni premiere. And it's clear that they're all very bitter about it. And I didn't listen to the podcast because their voices are just not great. I can't handle I don't think I can handle listening to their voices. But um, I mean, I do have a lot of love for Jill Zarin and Bethany. But oh my goodness, they're just everyone's so thirsty. Oh, um, okay, I wanted to share my thoughts on a couple of things. So really did enjoy the new Roni. I think it's important that we all kind of separate it from the old Roni. It's a completely new show. I liked Erin the best. I just like vibed with her intense kind of real estate interior decorator, like a mom of three, doesn't put up with shit, like Jewish energy. I'm here for it. Um, I have an interesting conversation with Christina about the things that were unearthed about her donating to the Trump campaign um, post-election, but post-2020 election. Uh, but that was um, not a shocker for me. So a lot of um, a lot of people did that. Um doesn't mean I agree with them, but, you know, I think she's going to be a fantastic housewife. I thought Bryn was hilarious on Watch What Happens Live, and Jenna Lyons is an enigma, and I'm fascinated by her, but have heard that she is in a relationship and that that relationship wasn't shown on this season. And I feel like because Jenna was such a big get for the network, they didn't push her to show more of her personal life than she wanted. And I hope that as, you know, they get a second season and so forth, that she will be pushed to really show her full life. Because I have a feeling that Jessel is going to show all of her life and all of her marriage and all of the not so pretty parts. 
By the way, it's so annoying when a person complains about their spouse and like acts like they don't like them. It's just, I don't know, it's a shtick that I feel like is from the generation before me that sometimes people think it's funny to like nag on the how, you know, annoying their wife is or how inept their husband is. But like no one wants to listen to that. You chose to marry this person. You're in a relationship with them. Like it's kind of it's uncomfortable for everyone around you to, for you to like it's not and it's not cute. It's not like a bit. So um, didn't really enjoy that. Um, loved the fight about not going to the restaurant catch in New York because it's not 2012. Oh, man, this is exactly the kind of arguments that I am here for. Also, Jenna Lyons' closet is insane. I'm not even jealous of it. I would not even know what to do with all of those clothes and all of those shoes, but it is, it's fun to watch. It really is interesting to see these women's apartments. And this is, you know, the top 1% of Manhattan lives like this and It's, yeah, it's so fun to watch. Okay, really still enjoying Crappy Lake. Luann and Sonia make me laugh so hard. I really do want something good to come out of this. I want that playground to be built. I'm sure as soon as they talked about it, I was like, how are they going to get all those parts? Everything's on back order everywhere. (laughs) Of course, that's what they found out. You can't very quickly order all of the parts of a playground. But they're just so fun and watching them go mudding and then Luann try and like put a move on the guy that Sonia's into and she pushed her in the mud and these women are fun. I'm enjoying the show and I hope they have another season, maybe not in Crappy Lake, but maybe somewhere else in the country, you know, going to small towns and actually doing work there. I think it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. On the OC, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, the thing I laughed at the hardest is Shannon opening her boyfriend's refrigerator and how every single time, I think she opened it like four times, some condiment, mayonnaise, something fell out. And she's so, like, she can't help it that she's so kind of like, not even just clumsy. She's like kind of kibitzy. She, I don't know. And she she seems so uncomfortable in that kitchen and in his house. And I just, I don't know. It was so awkward watching their conversation. I couldn't tell if like, this was a kind of conversation they would have off camera and it was coded in certain language. Like when John was telling her kind of to slow down or she's working a lot You know, this comes up a lot with Candy and Todd also. And I just want to shake these women and be like, slow down. And I know that Shannon wants to pay for all her daughter's college and pay for them to have all of these, like, I don't even know, like college counselors. You know, back in my day, we just met with the person at that the high school had. There was no like special person to coach you. I think I took an ACT class. That was it. Took the test and, you know, wrote my essays on my own. I don't even know if anyone edited them for me. Like, I just... And it's so... It's sad that kids feel so pressured to be perfect and to show, I don't know, try to create a version of themselves that can get into college that may or may not be representative of who they are. Um, But, you know, I think Shannon very much loves her daughters. I feel like David, while he will bring his kids to Paris, the fact that he won't pay for this college counselor, if that's something that the kids want, you know, I, I don't know. And I bet David is making a big deal about not paying for college and that's why Shannon is working her ass off so that the kids don't have to start their life in their early 20s in debt and I think for everyone that's dealing with student loans and all of the drama that's been going on with that can appreciate how hard Shannon is working and I hope her kids appreciate it also Um, I absolutely am obsessed with the term 
off-gassed, I think, is how Shannon described consignment store items. (laughs) So like when new clothes and new purses and shoes come out, they have all the toxins from the materials at the factory. And if they've been gently used that apparently gets some of the toxins out. And so you're using, um, when you get something at a consignment store that's been gently used, it's off-gassed. I mean, I don't even know what, (laughs) this is like, this is why Shannon is an excellent housewife. I mean, this kind of kooky behavior she has had since day one. Her obsession with feng shui, her putting like diamonds encrusted in her teeth, the Dr. Moon of it all, the nine lemons in a bowl. Like, I am here for this. It is kooky. It is clearly who she is. And it was so, so fun. But speaking of college, I was kind of shocked that Heather Dubrow mentioned that Max wasn't doing so well or was really struggling. And um, not that Max was struggling because the, you know, beginning of freshman year in college when you move out of the house for the first time can be very difficult. But that fact that she was going to like take an overnight flight, and I'm assuming on a private jet just to see her daughter who's having some anxiety. Again, I'm just reminded that these kids are so, so privileged. But I also worry, like, how do you learn to deal with adversity if your mom is like coming to help you every single time there is a challenge. Now, I don't know how severe her anxiety is. I don't know anything like that. But, you know, I think we all had challenges when we went away for the first time and would love love to have our mommies. But the what builds character is learning to deal with things on your own and to find your own resources. And you can always call and talk to your mom on the phone. I feel like Heather is the ultimate helicopter parent, but she's not doing it all herself. She has all these assistants, like packing for the kids, bringing them on a private jet to school. Like, no wonder the kids are not well equipped to (laughs) adjust to college. They have lived one of the most privileged lives any child their age could ever imagine. And, you know, I... (laughs) I don't know. The real world is not as easy as their lives have probably been um, for them. So I don't know if people agree with me or don't agree with me, but I felt like she's sort of coddling to her daughter, again, without knowing any of the details. Um, So I really did enjoy them going on this little, it looked like a Barbie boat, honestly, (laughs) going on this pink boat to Nobu. Heather has such an obsession with Nobu, but I'm here for it. I ate at it recently in D.C., and it is excellent. And that black cod that Taylor Armstrong was raving about is one of the best things I've ever eaten. So I understand. I did like that she got them engraved chopsticks and Tom Ford candles. I understand that, you know, the phrase on the candle, I believe, that was in Japanese, too fabulous to shovel shit, was supposed to be a joke, but it seems like it's not landing for these women who just think that, what did Emily say? I've never met someone so unaware of being so unaware. And I think the difference between people that have been like brought up in privilege and then gain more privilege is different from people who've been brought up without privilege and now have money and are kind of coming to terms with that. And it feels like Emily is one of those people. But I don't know. I feel like they're coming for Heather in a way that I don't like. They don't think she's a good friend. I feel like she has been a good friend to Gina. Gina's the one that didn't hang out with her in between the seasons. So I feel like Gina's the one who's fake, honestly. And Heather was telling Gina things that she didn't want to hear. And Gina's idea of a friend is someone that listens to her, that accepts her points of view, that doesn't challenge her in any way, and that coddles her. I really think that's what Gina is looking for. And that's why she chose Travis, who is not challenging anything. And, you know, I'm glad that he creates a loving, safe home, you know, with Gina. But she's got to get it together. 
she's she's got to get it together. And I agree with Heather's assessment that he is your boyfriend. He is not your therapist. And running to your boyfriend about your ex-husband all the time crying is not good for your relationship and it's not good for you. Um, you know, it was interesting that Emily alluded to Heather trash talking Tamara last season, but now kind of kissing up to her. It feels like they're all so afraid of Tamara and don't want to go against anything that she says or does. Um, but I don't know. They're, they're so shocked at how hard she's going after Jen with two ends. But Jen is handling it remarkably. She's not reactive. And I think Tamara wants a reaction out of Jen and isn't getting it. And that's why she's kind of losing her mind. I also think Tamara has been very, very drunk in a number of these scenes. And I don't understand, like, why she is so drunk. Was she always so drunk? I feel like maybe she's projecting when she keeps saying Shannon has an alcohol problem. <laughs> like, come on, girl. You are throwing a napkin and nobu and screaming and running and just acting absolutely insane. I feel like Tamara is, I don't know what her deal is with Jen and Ryan, but I don't know why she cares so much. I feel like more is to come and I'm interested in it. With Atlanta, I'm very glad that we are finally on a cast trip. I feel like this was the first episode I was engaged in. I was loved seeing Portugal. I wanted to see like how is the dynamic with all of the women together because I feel like there is a lot of tension between Marlo and some of the women. And, you know, it was it was just interesting. I felt <laughs> So bad for Candy on that flight, being so sick. This has happened to me. I um, did not know I was sick prior to getting on the plane, but I flew, I think it was in 2016, from Cape Town to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. And I was fine on that leg of the flight. But then from Addis all the way back to Washington, D.C., with a quick stop in Dublin, Ireland to refuel where you couldn't actually get off the plane... I had developed a stomach bug and I was sitting in a middle seat and had to guess like how often I was going to vomit because it was one of those like every 45 minutes, every hour, whatever it was, and like try and run to the bathroom before it would be that time. <laughs> it was just so terrible. <laughs> I think I terrified some of the flight attendants and certainly the people around me. All I remember is just getting home from that flight. And I think that is to date the longest I've ever slept. I just was so sick and then finally just passed out. Anyways, you guys probably didn't need to hear that story. <laughs> But man, I felt for Candy, but I'm glad she's there. I really feel like she's sort of phoning in this season. She's showing up, but she's exhausted. She doesn't want to be anywhere. She never seems to balance things. You know, she's doing so much. And I know she doesn't want to miss any opportunities that come, especially she's gotten so interested in theater and acting and she doesn't you know want to slow down with the restaurants or any of her like she's so many businesses but part of me wants to shake her and be like slow down this isn't good for your health it's not good for your marriage it's not good for your family you're just doing too much and now you're showing up for filming and you don't enjoy it and it's very painfully obvious how much you don't enjoy it to the audience. And I just want her to do like one less thing so that she has more time to be rejuvenated and not, uh, I get that. I don't know. Do you guys feel like you get bad energy from her when she's on camera this season? I just feel like I get this sense that she doesn't want to be there and she's annoyed and it not just because of Marlo. So, um, couldn't help but laugh that Marlo says she went on a date with Roy, Kenya's guy that she's dating. That was so, so funny. And 
I don't know what else with Atlanta other than I am very confused by Sheree's sort of seemingly new face. It also seems like the makeup is done in such an odd way that like her, the end of her nose is kind of shiny, almost like Rudolph. Like, I don't know um, what she has done, but all of these women are just so into fillers and facelifts and all of these things. And, um, I would think that they would wait until in between seasons to do some of the work, but it it appears that Sheree did it in between filming and when they did some of the confessional tapes, because she looks very different. So I hope it settles in. I hope she's happy with what she looks like. Uh, But I thought she was beautiful as always. She is She's so interesting. She's such an interesting character. But I do still feel like they need to do a little bit of reshuffling on Atlanta. I think Portia might need to come back. I just think they need to shake things up a bit and maybe demote Marlo. I know she's driving a lot of storyline, but she has too much negative energy for some of the castmates. And I just don't feel like she's authentic. I feel like she's just putting on a show. And I don't know. I, I mean, I I want to believe that she's being authentic, but I just feel like her going after Candy's restaurant two years after her um, nephew died, all of that, it just feels like she's coming into each season with, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to take Candy down, and I have all these grievances, and she just hits below the belt, and I just feel like she's done it one too many times, and I'm I'm not here for it. Um, but what I am here for is hearing from all of you. I heard from someone this week who disagreed with me on what I had said about Garcelle and the bot situation. That's something that Christina and I go into. So would love to hear more from you guys on what you think. Um, you know, as always, I am open to feedback. You can reach me in my DMs, especially on Instagram. That's the best place to reach me. Um, As always, if you enjoy this podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. And we'll take a quick break and then be back with Christina, the Bravo babe. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, everyone. I am here for a chat with Christina. You guys know her as the Bravo Babe on Twitter. She's also host of the podcast Gossip with Bravo Babe. How are you doing, Christina? I'm great. I'm overwhelmed by all of the Bravo news the end of this week, but I'm good. So much going on, trying to get tickets for BravoCon. It seems as if the bots got a lot of them. (laughs) A lot of them. Yeah, just trying to stay positive and assume and hope that more tickets will come out eventually. So you weren't able to get any? No, I tried. Um, I got a general admission ticket during the presale, but um, the goal was to get a VIP ticket. Uh, So I'm still looking for that. Still, I'll be on the wait list and hopefully can get that and then sell my general admission ticket to someone who really wanted that and wasn't able to get it. So right. Hopefully. Okay. Manifest it. That's the game plan. (laughs) I've been manifesting this for like months. So it's it's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to Vegas regardless. (laughs) I bought my airfare before anything else. (laughs) Yeah, I got my airfare hotel. There's no going back. No, we're committed. (laughs) We're committed. Um, Okay, I have a lot of questions for you about Bravo Gossip because you seem to be more in the know than a lot of people about things that are going on behind the scenes. Do you have like producers or like other people kind of that are housewives adjacent that are kind of in your ear telling you stuff or did you like how did you manage developing relationships with your 
I don't even know what you call them. What do journalists call them? Source? With your sources. Sources? <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I would say that I built some nice relationships with housewives. Um, a few of them. A lot of my tea from New Jersey, I will say, has come from a housewife. So as far as New Jersey goes, that's where I get my tea. Um, Beverly Hills, there's a lot of assistance. Yes. Okay. And Vanderpump Rules, there is a lot of assistance or um, they call themselves stylists. It might be a hairstylist or a makeup artist, but they just say stylist. Um, so there is a lot of those people floating around. And to be honest, it might just be a random DM that I get from somebody. And if I find it credible, I'll run with it. And sometimes it doesn't always turn out to be true, which is fine. I never claim to be, you know, 100% on everything. I try to be. But then it's like you have to deal with the backlash of getting something wrong after putting it out there, which I have seen with Vanderpump Rules a lot lately, like with the dog situation that we're currently going through. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So Graham is the dog that I guess we'll call her Rachel now because that's apparently what she wants to go by. So Rachel Rachel and James got a little golden doodle. And it appears that they did not spend a lot of time, and especially Rachel didn't spend a lot of time training this dog, and it had bit numerous people. It had bit Ariana that I knew about. Um, It turns out it had bit just a ton of people, including Rachel's mother. And so it sounds like the story that came out this week was that the dog ended up at a shelter and Vanderpump Dogs got involved and they were able to reunite the dog with James. But now Mm -hmm. an alternative story came out. And what was that? So there's... there's a couple different stories. The first one that we you had just talked about was Laura, who is Rachel's mother, what was, you know, hosting the dog, if you will, while she was in treatment. The dog had bit her. They took the dog to a doodle rescue. And then the doodle rescue reached out to Vanderpump Dogs, knowing who Graham is and I guess his history, if you will. And then through that, Lisa facilitated the dog coming to Vanderpump Dogs and James taking over. So that was, I guess, the most recent fact, if you will, that's come out. Um, A lot of people are saying that they think this was Lisa trying to stay relevant and that she is the one who got involved with the dog beforehand so I'm not too sure but either way the poor puppy is going from hopping from place to place hopefully he can stay happy and you know trained and well taken care of with James yeah because at a lot of these places like if a dog bites a human especially the way that this dog apparently has bit humans which is you know really like to the bone, damaging nerves, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, it was they, like when Kim Richards uh, and Kyle Richards had the yeah. dog situation with the daughter and she had to have like an antibiotic IV on her for over a week because the dog bites. So dog bites can be very serious. Very, very serious. And, you know, I... I worry that, you know, these these are the dogs that they put down first, right? This isn't, right. It, they're hard to adopt. They aren't safe around kids. They're, this dog doesn't seem to be safe around adults. But it's, I'm glad that it, the dog is reunited with James. And I'm sure we will see some of it play out on Vanderpump Rules. Listeners, if you heard that, that was just my daughter. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, uh, but no, I also what yeah. I have a question for you then. So what do you think if you were in the situation where you had a dog that was aggressive and was biting you, would you try to train the dog or would you try to f- rehabilitate the dog somewhere else? Um, I think it would depends if there were like kids in the home. 
Mm-hmm. So I know Andy Cohn had to rehome his dog because the dog just was not good with kids. But I would try and find a dog trainer that specialized in aggression because mm-hmm. it seems like whatever this doodle rescue thing is, is for like doodles that need to be rescued, not doodles that need to be trained right. or retrained. And so did you think that somebody <laughs> had actually called and went to their website. I'm not sure if you saw. Yeah. Somebody, and it says on there that we don't accept aggressive or ill-mannered or it was like a whole list of things, dogs. And it was like, well, if this dog is aggressive and biting, this place says they don't facilitate dogs like that. Then where's like the miscommunication there? You know, having a dog is not an easy thing. People act as if it's like an accessory. Like, oh, I'm just going to this cute little, especially this cute little dog. I have a dog that's cute and little. Also, she she can be very aggressive. You know, she kills small vermin. She... (laughs) Like, she gets upset at another dog, like she will make it vocal, you know, so you have to really watch, you can't just let them do whatever. And I feel like Rachel thought that, oh, this dog is so cute, it looks like a teddy bear, and then didn't actually treat it like a dog and have, Mm -hmm. you know, a structured schedule, which is really important for animals, you know, getting up around the same time every day, eating around the same time every day, like that kind of stuff. And I just don't think the dog had structure and felt threatened. I completely agree. And when dogs feel threatened or if they feel bad energy, which Raquel, Rachel's family seems to have, (laughs) they're going to lash out. So the dog felt that Graham felt bad vibes. And he was like, you know what? This is my way out. I I think Graham feels bad vibes with everyone because Graham hasn't had a stable home. Very true. Because Graham bit Ariana, who's notoriously very good with animals and has rescued cats, dogs, all the like, and has never had a problem with her animals. So she had mentioned before that Rachel never really formally trained Graham. But I don't want to spend too much time on the doggy gate stuff, but want to ask you something about a topic that I brought up last week, which is this Garcelle-Diana bot situation, potential bot. And this I thought was so interesting because when we as an audience were watching, I think we were all sort of on Garcelle's side. Like, this is so horrible that people, and we all still are, right? Like, it's horrible that there would be racist attacks against her child and against Mm -hmm. her. But what I didn't feel was great was that she was unwilling to cooperate with Diana in any way, shape, or form on an investigation. And... Mm -hmm it appeared that Garcelle's investigation didn't really lead anywhere. And I didn't like that she went on Watch What Happens Live and basically said her castmates were behind it, but she doesn't have proof. If you don't have proof, you probably shouldn't accuse people of doing something. That's that's how I feel. Um, And I don't think Diana's great or anything, but if there's no proof that she was kind of behind this and knowing that there are so many crazy fans that do this kind of stuff, like why not Mm -hmm. do that tracing? So you seem to have some more information on who was behind this and what really happened. So what really happened was, and this is coming from, I will say Lisa Renna adjacent. I'll say that. Mm. Um, Take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was identified that a man in Concord, California, who, and Lisa Renna said he lives in an apartment, which, I mean, that doesn't matter. It was just, it's kind of a fact, you know, he, he does, Um, lives in a little apartment in Concord, California, and he, he created multiple Instagram accounts, and he was the one who was threatening Garcelle's children, was racially attacking them so cruel and diana's investigation did find this out and i think the question that a lot of people have is why isn't anything happening legally why has this person not been brought up on charges um and that is because garcelle would not work with diana in the investigation and if she would have 
and if they would have wanted to pursue Diana's lead and her proof and her facts, then they could have. But right. since Garcelle distanced herself from their investigation. Right. But their investigation is just not one that's done by professional authorities, right? The only people that can bring charges are government people. And so if right. there's no one, you know, in a district attorney's office, you know, and I don't know that these types of threats, it depends how specific they are, you know, but some racist speech is protected by the First Amendment. It's horrible, but it, it right. is. And and so, you know, I just think why try and why is she so focused on the narrative that it's that it's Diana or someone else when maybe it's I don't know, but I don't know how much I believe either way. I just feel like if right. you don't know for sure, you probably shouldn't say anything <laughs> on watch what happens live, especially I personally, um, I think that what Diana's investigation found I'm choosing to believe is fact. I think that Garcelle, when you're right, when she did go on watch what happens live and she said, I know in my heart of hearts and she didn't just come out and say, Oh, the person was found. I'm not commenting. She still kind of alludes to the fact that it was somebody or some people on the cast. Yeah. I thought that was kind of, I don't know. It I didn't that didn't rub me the right way, especially if it's someone who's no longer on the cast, like why are you still going after them if there's exactly. no proof that this happened? Now, I don't trust Lisa Rinna at all because she seemed to be obsessed with feeding information to Bravo accounts and that creeps me out. I don't trust any housewife that has too close of relationships with these like random fan accounts. That includes me. Like, you shouldn't be talking to us like we're old friends. You don't know us. And you're doing this to try and advance some sort of narrative so that you want it to get out in blogs or gossip sites or podcasts. So she's she's someone I know Margaret Josephs talks a lot to, to, you know, Bravo accounts. I like Margaret, but I don't trust everything she says because it's, you know, she has her own slant just like Lisa does. They behind the scenes control the narrative, kind of like how Kyle produces, they say, while they're filming. Yeah. It's like housewives like this, they try to do it, but just behind the scenes and they use content creators, which I'm aware of, you know, when I talk to housewives and they feed me information, you have to take it with a grain of salt because they obviously want to push their narrative. But sometimes the tea is actually factual and it's it's good. So you got to keep that relationship. Yeah. One of the sort of tea that ended up, I think, being very factual was all the stuff that came out about the new Roni and why Lizzie was no longer on the cast. And that was due to a scuffle between her and Bryn, where Bryn was talking about being single. Lizzie was talking about how she sets up. She's a Jewish matchmaker. And Bryn was like, set me up. And she's like, oh, I only focus on Jews. And I think Bryn asked, well, why? And she's like, oh, you know, to preserve the bloodline, which is a weird way to say it. But um, definitely not how I would describe that. But Bryn was kind of like, oh, that sounds like what the Nazis used to say. And um, note to Bryn, mentioning Nazis to a Jewish person who has family. It's just a a, a non-starter, right? It's like, it's awful. But Lizzie being a housewife that engages with different people should know how to, yeah, she can get really, really mad, but also know how to like explain what she means by preserving the bloodline. Like, oh, Jews and believe that Judaism comes from the mother. So if you want to have, Jews in the world, they then women need to have babies that are Jewish, right? Right. And that's a super quick explanation that she could have, you know, given, right? And actually, when you mention Nazis, that's truly offensive. My husband's family was in the Holocaust, like all of that stuff. But she didn't, she went crazy. And um, then, you know, Bryn went crazy. And then it sounds like Lizzie's husband got involved, which made things 100 times worse. And he said, you know, you calling us like comparing us to Nazis is like us using the N word, although there were allegations that he said the N word out loud fully. That he actually said it. That's what I had heard. Yeah. So all of it. And I think people focused on that and not on the Nazi part of it, which I think is like pretty appalling. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to saying the N-word, I think he was trying to make, 
very poorly. Uh, he was trying to make a point, and and it it did not land, and it was a terrible thing to do, and it's very racist and awful to say that word, and he should know that, and Lizzie should know that, and Bryn should also know not to say what she said. But instead right. of using it for a learning opportunity, it just kind of got out of hand, and I think with some of the hate that Lizzie had gotten online, you know, I think she, they were just done. Now, what's interesting is that Aaron Leachy has, I think, like the same sort of political views as Israeli, yeah. like all this stuff. And the women have no problem with her. Right. And I saw all of that come out very recently because, you know, people will new housewives. They want to know every single thing. They want to know what political party they're a part of. That's been huge. I feel like with housewives as of the last couple of years is that fans want to know where they stand politically. Um, and I know that I don't think most of the cast agrees with Aaron's political views, but they don't seem to have a problem with it either. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I, um, but at the same time, like there is a type of Jewish person. Now, most Jews, like I'm Jewish, like we vote very democratic. It's like we're the, if you take all groups, I think we're like the religion that votes the most democratic. But there is a subset of Jews who are very focused on the security of the state of Israel. And they tend to have certain ideas about that security and vote Republican. And many of those Jews are in New York City. And, you know, they also are very influential in who becomes mayor and stuff like that, because it's a large voting block. And no, I did not know that. Yeah, it's a very, like, I'm not shocked at all. Like, she's Israeli, and she has a lot of money. People with a lot of money tend to vote, like, sometimes vote Republican because they don't want to pay a lot of taxes. Um, Although it doesn't matter. You live in New York City. You're paying a shitload of taxes regardless, (laughs) right? But there is, like, a thing about Israel's security that some Republicans will, like, use to garner certain. And it's usually Jews that tend to be more like orthodox but not necessarily interesting yeah so i was not shocked by that at all and i think that again just like how we see the housewives in the oc and their views like this is just a representation of who's in new york city and exactly. <laughs> you know like and if if the show goes on long enough we'll see it play out in the next 2 years I'm yeah. sure just like, just like with the election cycle last time around, we saw it play out. Uh, if we could just not have it be part of the <laughs> I know. housewives. But, I know. But, okay, I don't so, feel like crying when I watch my episodes. Here's an interesting thought. So Noor from The Reality Is is a genius. And she basically said that this whole argument over cheese that was happening on the new Roni was actually about Lizzie. Yes. You know, she did say that. I read it. I heard it. I believe it. I believe it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. And that's, here's... One of, that's one conspiracy theory that, I, that I'm, like, <laughs> subscribing to. I'm totally subscribing to this. I want somebody to ask Andy what he thinks. Oh, interesting. I think that the telltale phrase that was used was um, when Aaron is in the closet with Bryn in Jenna Lyons closet. And she said, I feel like you decided to align your, you decided who to align yourself with. And then you got weird with me. So like align yourself with Sai, with a group of people that weren't cool with Lizzie and then mm-hmm. turning on Aaron, who was friendly enough with Lizzie to be recommended to the show. Like I felt like it all had to do with that. And also why we felt like we were just thrown into an episode without really knowing the women was because they weren't able to use their earlier footage. That's very true. That's, you know, it's like one of those moments where it's like, uh uh-huh, like, yeah, that makes sense. They they had to jump right in. I wonder if the cheese conversation happened. (laughs) Like, I wonder who initiated it. I wonder who was like, listen, you know how it's not about the pasta? Well, it's going to be about the cheese. (laughs) Like, so like by I'm wondering cheese, who initiated that, and like, what kind of cheese? Like, my favorite kind of cheese is Gouda. What kind of cheese are we talking about here? Oh my god, the whole thing was just so. <laughs> it was such a funny fight, but then to like think, oh, there are these sort of undercurrents of talking about Lizzie. I just did not comprehend that <laughs> while I was watching the show, and it really made a right. difference for me. 
want to get your quick thoughts on everything going on with Gina and Emily going after Heather on The Real Housewives of Orange County. They seem to be going for her pretty hard. So I definitely see Gina's point of view when it comes to the Heather situation. I think that Gina opened herself up to Heather and spoke very freely and very vulnerable to her. And then I didn't like Heather's response in the moment. I think her response was, he's not your therapist. He's your boyfriend. And then the following day, she kind of threw her under the bus in front of the girls and was like, well, I told you last night X, Y, and Z. So I feel like Gina really wanted to be vulnerable. I feel like she needs to get over her ex, which she clearly is not, even regardless of what she says. She's not over her ex. Um, So I kind of am for her standing her ground and telling Heather how she feels. Um, That's where I'm with Gina. And with Emily, okay, girl, I'm not going to lie. I feel like Emily is such a side character this season that I can't even focus on what she has going on. Other than her daughter becoming a model. Um, That's so interesting. I definitely align more with Heather. I feel like Gina needs someone to sort of like shake her and be like, girl, this is your responsibility to deal with. You need to figure it out. You need to get a therapist. Your boyfriend is not your therapist. It's not healthy to be calling him crying about your ex. (laughs) Like, a lot. You know, it seems like this is a continual thing. And I just don't feel like that's healthy. Now, the next day when she said, well, how long is he going to put up with it? That I felt like was was too harsh. But Shannon was saying the same thing. And Shannon's someone who had difficulty getting over her ex, not, yeah, I mean, she was, you know, with, in that relationship even longer. I mean, talk about the rug being pulled out from under you. Yeah, and she, I think she even said, when the rug has been pulled out from under you, you're just waiting for the floor to be pulled out. And I was like, oh, well, that's actually sad, and you should work through that. No, and I, I understand that sentiment, but this is like, you need a, you need professional help. And Mm -hmm. you can't. And I think Heather in the moment being like, no, don't call Travis crying. Like, let's talk about this. Like you and I, rather than like you going and hiding and calling your boyfriend. Um, Because what boyfriend wants to hear about the boy, the guy before them? Truly. And I feel like, yeah, Travis and his confessional, he has to be lying because he was like, (laughs) well, if she couldn't come to me and cry about these things, she would go and do it with somebody else. And I'm her person. So I should be like, those were his words. And I was like, wow, you're either really whipped or I don't know. (laughs) I think he's really kind and really nice, but it is something that she can't just I. I just feel like she just needs to figure out what her issue is and deal with it. Yes, um, she does. But I still feel like Heather, I don't know. Maybe I just felt bad for Gina because she was crying so much. <laughs> I just, I, I just was like, girl, got it together. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe it makes me not as empathetic, but um, okay. Tamara and Jen, This is wild to me. It feels like Tamara cares more about the outcome of this relationship than is normal. I feel like there is something that we don't know. They used to be friends prior to the show with Cut Fitness and with the third blonde girl. um, Shit, what was her name? Heather. The blonde girl, Heather, that was the friend who got sent the, oh. the dick pics. Yes, yes. So I feel like with the three of them, there's something that we're that we're not getting that we don't know. They had some kind of friendship and they had some kind of falling out prior to filming. And I think Heather, oh, I'm sorry, I think Tamara hasn't let it go because it's either that or she's being, and I, I'm, a, I'm a Tamara fan, but she's either that or she's being too performative with Jen and the whole situation because it felt forced. It felt like Jen held her own and was classy. Um, but unless there is some like hidden beef that we don't know about, Tamara was very performative. 
I think she's always performative. She's like, well, there's nothing going on in my relationship, so let me just drag Jen through the mud. And Jen is so unusual, almost has like a Rachel-like response where it's not blank, but she doesn't respond in the moment as quickly as I expect. It's it's like a delayed Mm -hmm. response. I think she's shocked that I think she thought she was on good terms with Tamara. And then Tamara's just sharing all of the bullshit. And like, I don't know, Jen's two years into this relationship. This isn't the time to be like, oh, I'm concerned about your relationship. Like the time was two years ago. That time has (laughs) passed. Like you should be more focused on like the bigger commitment at this point. Yeah. Oh, God. So crazy. Um, For Atlanta. Okay. I just couldn't stop laughing when Sheree brought up Drew's lawsuit. I was shook. It was one of, you know, that meme when Portia walks into a party and Sheree's in the back and she's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. That's what I, that's like what flashed through my head the second that scene started. Because it wasn't that big of a lawsuit, but for Sheree, of all people, to bring up not paying someone. A thousand dollars. I mean, it's just like. And it was I think, just a thousand dollars. And on principle, Drew's like, I'm not going to pay you. That's insane. Which I do agree with Drew on that. I wouldn't have paid either. Right. It's like, you know, the, we didn't agree to this. So that's uh, that's just so funny to me. But. I think it's all because I didn't realize that Sheree is still so upset at Drew for mentioning that they couldn't keep the merchandise that they got at the reunion last year. Uh, Well, I mean, it was true, wasn't it? It was. All the other women except for Marlo said, yeah, they took away my hat. They took away my bag. I didn't get a shirt. So, like, It's like they took it and they were told to put them back on the racks. Like, it was like her sample pieces and... She needed her samples, so they were used as a prop for the show. And then she said, okay, girls, give me back my samples. And she didn't follow up and give them anything else. No. They had to order. I love Sheree, but she doesn't pay people. And these are often, like, service workers, people who are doing design work, artists, chefs, that kind of stuff. Like, it's really shitty and it's the worst quality, I, one of the worst qualities in, in anyone, and like, in especially a, a housewife. Like, you're Definitely. using people. Like, makeup artists. You have to just think about the people that, you're right, like service workers. They're performing a service for you. It's not a grocery store. You're not buying apples over here. They're performing a service. And she'll often use the argument, like, I didn't like the outcome of the service, but that's not a reason not to pay someone. You had an agreement, right. and if you don't like your makeup, too bad. Don't use them again, right? You pay Correct. them, and especially then you don't use them was, again. Especially if there's no contract in place, then you have no leg to stand on. Right. You can't say, like, we agree that it would be done in this way. Oh, so obnoxious. Okay, final thoughts. Crappy like, are you in? Are you enjoying it? Is it annoying? What are your thoughts? I think it is such lighthearted fun. I think that it's what you expect from Sonia and Luann. I think that it's a fun filler show to watch. I actually was invited to go on a trip with other content creators to Crappy Lake they're putting together way by bravo uh they're putting together a weekend where you stay at the same motel and then the (laughs) owner who is and the owner's name is skipping my mind right now um but he talked to production and they were going to tour all of the places like the bars and the homes that they helped and kind of just meet the people and like live the sonia and luann crappy lake experience that is so funny. And you're in Illinois already. So it would just, I mean, it's I really know. far so south, but it really wouldn't be too bad of a drive. But now with the BravoCon tickets that I purchased, I'm like, oof, I don't know. <laughs> Plus, like, crappy, like, doesn't look like it's like so much fun. You know, it seems like they're constantly putting the temperature and the humidity percentage on the oh, Chiron. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like DC, the you know, just swampy, Midwest. just like yeah. so humid and gross. 
but it's so fun watching it. Well, Christina, I know you have a sick kid at home, so we kept this real short, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast and anything else you want to plug. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, we'll definitely have to do this again when the seasons like ramp up and there's more gossip to talk about. Yes. Um, so my podcast is Gossip with Bravo, babe, and I will have an episode with Leanne Lockin posted on Monday. Um, so if anybody wants to listen to that, that'll be posted Monday. And then Instagram is at the Bravo, babe. TikTok, I'm new at, but I love it. It's fun. That's at the Bravo, babe. And then Twitter also at the Bravo, babe. I feel like through the three social media platforms, I feel like Instagram is where I try to be formal. TikTok is where I just like to watch things. And then Twitter is where I'm like slightly unhinged and I'll post all of the theories and all of the hints and clues that I get from whether it be assistants or housewives themselves. So yeah, follow if you want to hear all of that. I love it. And you know, take it with a grain of salt. That's what we all do. Exactly. <laughs> I don't believe we're all half having, the things I We're read. all having fun and yeah, it's a good time. It's definitely, it's all about fun. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and we will chat soon. We will, girl. Thank you so much.